Well, good morning. My name is Sarah Gregory, and I am the Young Adult Ministry Coordinator both here at the Bridge and at our other campus, Meredith Drive Reformed Church. And one of the things that I love the most about Jesus is that he very rarely talks about some big theological truth without also giving us some really tangible ways to engage that truth. So, for example, he starts talking about the kingdom of God coming near. And he doesn't just say that and leave us wondering what that means. He actually raises people from the dead and says, that's what the kingdom is like. And he multiplies food so that everyone has plenty to eat. And he says, that's what the kingdom is like. And so Jesus operates in the real. He operates in tangible things, and he speaks our language. He actually, when he's walking with uh, fishermen, he uses fishing metaphors to extend invitations to them. And when he's talking to farmers, he uses farming metaphors to explain what he means to them. And I imagine that if he was here today, that he would have some really great metaphors about technology because Jesus is really comfortable with working in the things that are part of our daily lives to show us a picture of who God is. And so today, we're going to spend some time thinking about what we actually believe is happening when we come to the table for communion. And communion is one of those beautiful places where Jesus gives us a tangible picture, bread and wine to eat and drink to help us understand who God is and what he's doing in our midst. Because God recognizes that we are hungry people. Can I get an amen? It's getting close to lunchtime, and I'm getting hungry. This was not as relevant at the last service, but I'm starting to feel the hunger today. We are hungry people, and at the table, God feeds us. And so if you take nothing else out of this sermon— I hope you do. We're going to talk about some of the nuances of what we believe is happening when we come to the table. But if you take nothing else away, I want you to think about the places that you are hungry today. The places that maybe you are hungry for affirmation or for connection with other people or for a renewed sense of purpose for your life. Those are real hungers. And at the table, God, is, God desires to feed you. And he has come before us today to set the table for us to encounter him. And so um, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but I invite you to keep coming back to that reality. As you have heard us say in this unique series many times, we're not saying that the way that we understand the sacrament is necessarily the right way or the only way, but I do think that there are some beautiful things that come actually through the liturgy that the, the Reformed Church uses that help us kind of figure out what we think is happening when we come to the table. And so I'm going to um, walk us through a few of those realities today. So let's um, dive into the reading of one of the two passages that we're going to look at this morning. And I apologize in advance if this gets a little dense. I can tend to be a little bit of a nerd, and I tried to pull that back this morning so that, um, yeah, so that it doesn't get a little too deep. But I think that in my experience, when I went to seminary, this was maybe the thing that learning more about actually helped me experience the depth of more than anything else. And so I, my hope is that in giving some of the explanation of what we think is happening, that you will come to the table with deeper expectancy for what God wants us to do. So let's read from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26. Paul writes, For what I received from the Lord, I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the Reformed Church in America is the denomination that we're a part of. And it's got this really helpful language that I've just decided to structure the sermon around this morning. So if you are a structured person and you like taking notes, this is going to be great. Um, The language that's used is that the Lord's Supper is a feast of remembrance, communion, unity, and hope. So we're going to spend a little bit of time digging into the significance of each of those aspects. And like I said, my hope is that that creates more expectancy in you as you come to the table this morning. So this first piece of remembrance is maybe the part of the Lord's Supper that you're most familiar with. At least for me, I remember actually coming to a Good Friday service when I was probably in junior high and hearing the story of the crucifixion and the death of Jesus and then taking communion and the weight of that experience, the remembering the sacrifice of Jesus was such an important and powerful encounter of the Lord's Supper. So we believe that Jesus calls us to remember as we come to the table, to remember the ways that we are filled because he was poured out, right? And we are made whole because he was broken for us. And so as we come to the table, we remember that the grace that we receive here and the gifts that God is giving us, the meal that God is giving us to satisfy us, came at a high price. And so we come to the table remembering that grace, and we come with gratitude that Jesus actually freely offered his life for ours. Now, because that's maybe the piece of the Lord's Supper that you are most familiar with, I'm going to take the least amount of time on it, because I think that there's also some um, deep and beautiful things in the other um, meanings that come around the Lord's Supper. So first, the Lord's Supper is a place to pause and remember Jesus' sacrifice. And it's also then a place of communion with God. So one of the things that we believe happens in the Lord's Supper is that God is near to us in a unique way in the sacrament. Now, God is always near to us. He's always present. But there's something unique about what happens when we come to the table to celebrate the sacrament. Now, again, not to get too nerdy um, or go too far down a rabbit trail, um, but I visuals are helpful for me. And so um, I made this fun little chart that shows um, just kind of a spectrum of how people think God is present in the Lord's Supper. And this is obviously very simplified, so don't get too caught up in the words. But what you should notice is that um, the Reformed Church stands somewhere in the middle of this spectrum, right? So unlike the Catholics, we don't believe that the bread and the cup actually physically transform into the body and the blood of Christ. We don't believe that there's, that it changes substance. We also, unlike the Anabaptists, don't think that it's just a symbol, right? That it's, we're remembering, that we're looking back, and it's a symbol of how God is present. The Reformed Church actually stands in this space in the middle, where we think that God is spiritually present in a unique way, that it's not just a sign or a picture, but it's also the seal of God's presence with us. And so, like I said, this was maybe one of the most helpful and, and deep experiences that I got out of my time in seminary because 
it reminds me again that we're hungry people, right? We actually have needs that need to be filled. We have places that we are tired that we need to be refreshed. So I imagine that many of you can remember a day that was very physically taxing, right? So maybe you had a long workout or maybe you were chasing children around, which is basically the equivalent of a CrossFit full body workout, right? Lifting kids up and chasing them around the house. Maybe you worked on the farm growing up and you just, you've had these days where your whole body is just exhausted and you feel a little weak. Maybe you feel a little faint. And at, can you remember what it was like then to come to a table where a meal was prepared for you after you have exerted so much energy all day. And think about what it felt like to actually receive new strength from the meal that you were eating. Well, when we come to this table, we come after the equivalent of a very long work week, right? We come having carried the weight of the world around us. We have come navigating hard relationships. We have come experiencing the lies of the enemy that try to make us feel like we're not enough or that we're too much. We come fighting against all of that, trying to stand um, and be with Jesus. We come after serving a lot, and we are just, we come tired, and we come shaky. And you may not notice it in the people around you, right? It may, we may not all just be walking around like we've actually physically been working out for the last week. Um, And you may not even be aware of the hunger in yourself as you come into this place. But I just invite you this morning to think about the ways that we actually are made to be hungry people. We need to be refilled. We are not meant to go forever without being refreshed and restored. We have to sleep every day. We need to eat to keep our bodies nourished. And in the supper, Jesus offers himself the bread of life to physically sustain us, Like, he gives us actual bread and wine to show us that he cares about all of us. But he also comes to emotionally and spiritually feed us with his presence. So I, like I said, this has been one of maybe the most powerful experiences I have had when I've come to the Lord's Supper and just made some space to be aware of what I am hungry for before I come in. And I love that Jesus gives us bread and wine so that we can physically taste and see his goodness, right? Sometimes things can get a little bit too lofty or feel like you don't know concretely what it means to walk with God or receive from God. And so today you're just going to eat and you're going to drink. And we're going to actually, I'll tell you in a few moments, but we're going to practice the meal a little bit differently so that we can deeply experience that reality this morning. But so we come to the table to remember first, and we come for communion with God and union with God to be filled by him. And then we also come in community. We don't come to the table alone. We come unified actually by our need and our dependence. And this is something that Paul actually gets pretty hardcore about in his letter to the first Corinthians, um, his first letter to the Corinthians. It's an important part of how we understand communion in our church, is that we come together. So let's read from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 to 22, and then we're going to jump to 33 and 34. And there Paul writes, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. 
So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. So, Paul's pretty serious about this, right? In this situation, actually, um, people are coming together to eat, and they come from different socioeconomic classes. There are some people that actually don't have much to bring. And and Paul is very upset because he, you heard him say, this is not the Lord's Supper that you're celebrating. If everyone doesn't have enough to eat, it is not the Lord's Supper. And so one of the things that is important as we come to this table is that everyone gets the same meal. Everyone receives the same grace. Some of the people that came to the meal in this situation that Paul is addressing um, were left out. And for it to genuinely be the Lord's Supper, there must be enough for everyone, and it must be celebrated together. So one of the things that is humbling and I think beautiful about communion is that we all receive the same proportions of the same meal. We all receive the same grace. So we come to the church equally dependent on God, whether we are the CEO of a company or whether we're working three part-time jobs to pay rent, whether we have been yelling at our children right before we came or whether we have been forgetting that we even followed Jesus throughout the week. We've been so checked out. We all come to receive God's grace, and we all receive the same thing, and we are all actually dependent in the same way. We all need the same grace from God, and so we come together empty and open-handed to receive into our hands and our bodies the very grace of God together as one very broken and messy and dependent family who is chosen by God. And one of the things that is beautiful is that we are actually then extended or called to extend that grace to each other. So one of the things that you'll notice when we come to celebrate the supper today is that we actually have members of our congregation, elders in our congregation, who will be um, passing out the elements to you, and they'll be speaking words of grace. Because we come together and we have received that grace and we extend it to each other. It doesn't just come from the pastors. It doesn't um, just come from up on the stage, but it comes through each other. And One of the other implications of that, um, and one of the reasons that we um, take a second offering as part of our service on Communion Sundays is because we feel very deeply that when we receive God's grace, we give it, we give it away, right? And so we take a second offering on Communion Sundays that goes to something outside of our church that is extending grace and love to people. And so this week, we are, um, our offering will be going to the Wildwood Hills Ranch, which is an organization that helps uh, vulnerable and abused teens experience hope and healing and restoration. And we give right after communion out of our experience of receiving God's grace for ourselves. So we come to the feast to remember and to receive from God We come united in our brokenness 
to receive the grace of God together, and we come in hope. The passage that we read in 1 Corinthians 11 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So inherent in this celebration of the supper is this expectant hope that Christ will come again and make everything new. I think about the shootings that happened this week, right? Um, Sean mentioned that at the beginning of the service. And just the places where things are not just and there is pain and there is suffering and there is pe- there are people just carrying weights that we can't even imagine around the world. And part of what happens when we come to the table is that we acknowledge that things are not as they should be now, but that through Jesus' death and his resurrection, there has been set in motion restoration and that Jesus will come back. And so um, the RCA liturgy actually um, has a really beautiful statement about this hope. So I'm going to read it. It says, We come to the table in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and a foretaste of the feast of love, of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come, when with unveiled faces we shall behold him made like unto him in his glory. I just think that's so beautiful, that inherent in this meal that we celebrate now, there is a foretaste of this feast of love when we actually won't need to come because we're exhausted and tired. We will be satisfied in God's presence. We won't be carrying the weight of the world. We won't walk in shaky. We won't walk in exhausted. And so we come to the table with this hope. So we come to the table today again in remembrance for communion with God, in unity with each other, and with a hope for his coming again. And I um, ask that we maybe celebrate communion a little bit differently this morning. Don't worry, it's not that different. But um, as you come up front to receive the bread and the cup from the elders, I want you to think about what I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, that we are hungry people. We have each of us come in with places that we're feeling exhausted and that we're feeling in need. And so I invite you to, to start thinking about that even now, of places that you are aware of your need. And I'm going to invite you to come up, and the elders are going to be holding half a loaf of bread. So for those of you who have celebrated communion with us here before, usually we have little pieces of bread cut up. But today I'm going to invite you to rip off your own piece of bread. And I'm going to invite you to take a bigger piece than you usually take like something that requires multiple bites. And I'm doing this, I'm asking you to do this for this reality that God actually fills the places that we have need. And so hopefully in taking multiple bites, you'll actually feel a little full. Probably not super full, but you'll feel a little bit more full than you would have. So you're going to rip off a piece of bread and then dip it in the cup. And as you dip it in the cup and you head back to your seat, I want you to pay attention to the people around you and think about what it means that in all of the different stories that are represented in this place today, that God extends the same grace to each person, no matter what they were doing right before they got here, no matter what um, 
they feel inadequate about, no matter places that they have tripped up, that God's grace extends to all of us, and we come together um, to receive this grace. And then as you sit down, I'm going to invite you to think about that hope that we talked about. The places, and that may start by thinking of the places where things don't feel as they should be. So as you sit back down, I invite you to dwell in that. There's going to be space. The band is going to be creating just a beautiful atmosphere where we can dwell and sit in this, um, sit in the sacrament for a little bit longer today. And so as you sit, I invite you to think of that hope. So we celebrate today this feast of remembrance, communion, unity, and hope. And I invite you as you come to remember the God who sets this table for us. This God who um, is bigger than anything that we can imagine, but who so desires that you would know his love for you personally, that he literally is setting a table for you this morning to receive in the places that you are feeling need.